0: So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word.
1: Well, let's turn this morning in our Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Let's go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to pick up this morning in verse 14. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of Him went out through all the surrounding region. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, "'Today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.' So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, "'Is this not Joseph's son?' He said to them, "'You will surely say this proverb to me, "'Physician, heal yourself. "'Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country.'" And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you, I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, and they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. And Lord, as we gather now in your presence, we just ask, Lord, that as always, you would open up the scriptures to us you'd help us understand what it is that you're speaking uh, to all of us lord individually as your people and corporately as your church and though lord we're scattered about all different places right now during this this season that we're in lord yet we're your church and we're gathering together at your feet this morning jesus bind us over the airwaves bind our hearts together lord that we could worship you in spirit and truth as your people and as your church but most of all this morning lord i pray you'd open our hearts so that we could hear what you're speaking to us, and that our hearts would be such that we would be willing, Lord, to submit to what it is you're saying to us, and to learn and to grow and to be challenged. Lord, you're the one who challenges us, and you do it in such a gracious way. I pray this morning, Lord, your grace would overwhelm us to obedience, that, Lord, from your grace, from the love you've shown to us, that obedience would be our natural response. So lead us today, Lord, in this study. Strengthen my voice, Lord, as the second round just gets a little harder each time, but I pray, Lord, you'd strengthen my voice and enable me to just speak just the words, the right words that you have for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. And in Jesus' name, we all prayed and God's people prayed. Amen. Amen. Well, look at verse 14 again. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. You know, both Matthew and Luke— move directly from the temptation experience in Judea into the Galilean ministry, which will be covered from this point in our text through chapter 9. And it's only John in his gospel that covers Jesus' intervening ministry in Judea. And there's approximately a one-year gap between verse 13, where we left off with last week, and here in verse 14 where Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. It's about a one-year period of time, and it is during that one-year period of time that John's record of Jesus' ministry in Judea takes place. But here, as we look at Luke's account, Luke does tell us that after successfully overcoming Satan's attempts to derail him in the the temptations in the wilderness, that Jesus now returns from that experience filled with the power of the Spirit. Oh, that we would be filled with the power of the Spirit each and every day, and each and every step that we take for the Lord. Filled with the power of the Spirit, now Jesus begins his journey of ministry that will eventually lead to and end in the ministry that he has on the cross, on Calvary, and to the tomb and to another moment of overcoming as he overcomes death, and rises from the grave. You know, we should note from the connection between the power mentioned in this verse and the 40-day wilderness experience that Jesus just emerged from, there is a connection here. You know, last week I noted that oftentimes when we experience a spiritual high point in our life, something tremendous where God is moving, speaking. We, we know his presence in, in a very supernaturally powerful way that oftentimes that's followed by a low spiritual point, by a spiritual wilderness experience, if you will. You know, I had that lesson taught to me this week. Some of you who follow me on Facebook know that I had a rough week after sharing this particular message last week and saying this to you guys that oftentimes after the spiritual high point, I turn to Cindy and say, well, tomorrow the hammer's going to fall and I'm going to have a rough time, I guess. And well, guess what? I did. In fact, Monday morning, I was so fired up on Sunday finishing up the message with you guys and just felt like the Lord was really in the, in the, in the teaching last week. And he was speaking to people and gotten some notes from you guys that just encouraged me that, that the Lord was speaking to you. And, and that, that's what encourages my heart. It is. It's not somebody saying, Hey, that was a great message. Nah, that does nothing for me. What I like to hear is what did the Lord do to you? What did he say to you? How did it impact you? And I was getting feedback like that, that the Lord was just speaking. And and that was really awesome. And so I was Sunday night, man, I was just I was almost euphoric. And Saturday, Sunday, Monday morning I got up and I've been getting back into running and I headed out on a run and I decided I was gonna run some hills. And I got about a quarter way up of one of the hills and all of a sudden felt a, a twang in the back of my my calf muscle. And next thing you know, there was a a feeling of something popping, and then there was a searing pain that just drove me down to the pavement, and I was just in agony and apparently tore a muscle. Fortunately, it wasn't the large muscle, it was some side muscles, but still tore some muscles, and I got to wear a boot. I don't have it on right now, but I have to wear a boot for the next four to six weeks and get some physical therapy. But you know what? It wasn't until later that day, and I had posted about it, just kind of asking for prayers, and somebody that was here on Sunday morning had written to me and said, wow, just like you were teaching in the message, the spiritual high to low point, it was kind of like, how are you handling that? And I thought... I don't know if I'm handling it that well, but it's a great point. You know, sometimes we do go through these experiences, and you know what? Sometimes when we get to share them with others about what the Lord does, sometimes He takes us through it so that we can get the living and experience. And I most certainly did. You know, but here's something that I've also found to be true. Not only is there oftentimes a low point after a high point so that the Lord can teach us, I also have found that when we go through those wilderness experiences, seeing them for what they really are about and yielding and submitting ourselves fully to the Lord and what He's trying to do in our lives through those experiences, oftentimes we emerge from those experiences with greater spiritual power and clarity than we had before we went through them you know as i said last week although we don't always know what the wilderness experiences are about and i would often recommend to you guys don't try to guess what the lord is doing just let him do what he's doing but at the same time god still uses them and 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 if we let him if we yield to him if we don't resist if we look to and rely fully upon him as we go through those difficult experiences God will do some miraculous things in our lives. He'll change us in in ways that we can't imagine. He'll change us and and, and strengthen our spiritual walk, strengthening us spiritually, filling us with a greater measure of power of His Spirit if we'll just yield. Now, look, as I said, we don't always have to know what what those experiences are about. We just need to know that the Lord will use them to shape and perfect us, just as my favorite passage, the one I quote all the time from James. I don't quote this for you guys. I quote it for me just to remind myself, but he'll do what James tells us he'll do. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith—remember, testing is approving. It's approving to show us the strength, where we progress to, where we're at, so that corrections can be made where necessary, or we can move forward and move on to other things where we are strong in those areas. But knowing that the testing of your faith produces Patience. I've had to have a lot of patience this week as I've tried to hobble up and down staircases, as I wobble around the house, as I can't do things I could do the week before. Have patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Look, we might not always know what the trials are about. But as James says, we can count them all joy when we find ourselves going through them because God will use them and he will do a perfecting work in us. And as Paul also tells us in the book of Romans, we can and we should glory in those trials as we go through them because of what God will use them to produce in us. Here's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that... But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. I like that. And we could focus on all these different words, but the one that jumps out to me is that word character. You know, having worked in schools before and after I got out of the army, I was a teacher for a little while and my wife's an educator. But I remember a time, and and it was big in the military too, this same idea, but I remember in education seeing it, there was an expression, character matters. Character matters. And character does matter. And, And character, the world's definition of character is very different than ours, and there are some characters in our world. But the world's character, the idea of character is very different than the biblical idea of character. I want the biblical idea of character instilled in me because that character is the character that's made in the image of Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus as you should. And it is through these things, uh, uh, Paul tells us in Romans, through the trials, it's through the tribulations, it's through the testings that God is producing character in us. And yeah, it gives birth to all this other stuff. Perseverance, hope, perseverance builds character, character gives birth to hope. But, but character, man, the Lord just wants to instill that in us. But ultimately, I have found, and I hope you have as well, that as we yield into these things that we glorify God even in the midst of the trial. And as we glorify God in the wilderness experience, in the trials, we often find ourselves coming out spiritually stronger than we were before we went into them. Like Jesus, we return in the power of the Spirit for the things that God has for us to do, and, and we will as we yield to the Lord through the trials. And so Jesus' formal ministry now begins. He's coming out of the wilderness experience. Yep, a year has passed according to some of the other accounts, but he's still here. Luke is drawing our attention to the fact that he's growing in spiritual power as he moves through. And he begins to tell us also that his reputation begins to grow quickly as he steps into ministry. Look at verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And so we find here that one of the first places that Jesus now goes as he steps into formal ministry is to his hometown of Nazareth. And in many ways, this follows the pattern that Jesus will lay out for the ministry of his disciples, and I believe laid it out for us as well when it comes to our ministries for the gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Here's what he says to the disciples and to us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And Jesus describes here in this verse an outwardly expanding geographical radius of ministry that his disciples were to follow. First it begins in Jerusalem, and then move outward beginning with Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Now, Although we should not make this a rigid, rigid formula, as you guys know, I'm not a formula-oriented teacher. I believe there's way too much of that that are looking constantly for formulas in the Scriptures. And then when we think we find a formula, we capitalize on it, we write books about it, we preach on it, and, and suddenly there's a formula. But, but I don't believe the Bible has ever tended to be a book of formulas. But it most certainly is a book that reveals spiritual truth. And I believe that there's spiritual truth, a spiritual pattern that's given to us here that we should not ignore, that we need to consider. I believe that our ministry for the gospel should begin in our Jerusalem. What do I mean by our Jerusalem? Well, I mean in our homes and to our family members and and to those closest to us, our closest friends. That's our our Jerusalem. And, And then We're to to set our focus on going out to our Judea, the surrounding regions that our lives touch, our workplaces, the schools we attend, our neighborhoods, our communities. And after that, our focus should shift to Samaria, the outer areas, and then to the ends of the earth, to places and peoples that we don't necessarily know or even have much in common with, and yet we're to take the gospel to them. Now, again, I'm not suggesting this is a rigid formula to apply or that God expects us to apply, but there is a spiritual principle in this that we would do well to, to pay attention to. I have found that far too many Christians are happy to reach out to the world. They're happy to send money out or even engage in missions trips to the ends of the earth, but they've ignored ministering in their own homes. They even failed to, to maintain a witness to those closest to them and, and in the communities where they live, to those that they come in continual contact with in their workplaces or in school or where they do business. I believe that we need to realize that our lives in Christ and our witness and our ministries for him touches all areas. And, and we have to have the focus that Jesus had, that ministry begins at home and then moves outward from there. And to fail to recognize that can lead to wrong views of our witness and ministries for Jesus. We can't minister to others, not effectively, not as we should, without first being willing to share the gospel and ministering in our own homes and surrounding regions first. You know, I remember oftentimes hearing pastors tell young wannabe pastors, that that uh, were growing up in some of the churches that I was in, in Calvary Chapel. And one of the expressions I often heard them is as the young guys would say, man, I just, I know the Lord's calling me to be a pastor. I just don't see the doors opening. I don't know how I get to minister. And, and, and I've heard so many times guys look at him and say, well, you are a pastor. What do you mean by that? You're the pastor of your home, aren't you? You're leading your home in the things of the Lord, aren't you? You're being a witness in your own home, aren't you? The sad answer to that is in many cases, the answer would be no. Now, look, this is not about perfection, but it is about saying that our heart needs to be ministering to those closest to us first. Now, with that said, oftentimes that's the most difficult. Why? Because as we're going to see with Jesus, it can also be the place where the experience is such that we experience the, the greatest rejection and the resistance as we serve as his witnesses. Oftentimes it's our family members, it's our friends, it's those closest to us who reject and, 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 and refuse to hear the good news that we're bringing to them. My, my mom, which I often bring up, was an example of this truth before she came to faith in Christ. She rejected the gospel witness that I brought to her that I felt compelled to bring to my own home. But but why would we be surprised that we meet such resistance in those situations when Jesus himself is rejected by his own family members, and as we're going to see in a moment, by his own community for the message that he brought? And yet, yet, knowing that that would be the case, he still chose to begin there, as should we. And so here at the formal opening of his ministry, Luke tells us that it's in the synagogue located in his hometown of Nazareth that Jesus rises and he reads from the scriptures. Now, a couple of important things to understand of what's taking place here, are cultural things to some degree, the the synagogue. He, he reads it in the synagogue. He goes to the synagogue. We're going to see Jesus doing this often. He'll go to the synagogue. By Jesus' day, the local synagogues were very, very common. They were in each small community, and they were not, as sometimes Christians will, uh, or our Western mindset misperceives, they were not many temples But they were simply places where the people would assemble for prayer, for worship, for study of God's Word, and for ministry. Now, they developed as a, a, a result of the Babylonian exile when the people no longer had access to go and worship in the formal temple. And they established these, these small, if you will, they would be the equivalent of our church-like facilities, they established these communities of faith where they could maintain the religious growth and practices and to maintain their cultural identity. But again, unlike the temple, there were no sacrifices offered. And many of the other rituals associated with the temple were not a part of the ministry of the local synagogue. They were not as many of us might think of them as many temples, but simply a place where Jews could gather locally for ministry and for lit- religious discussion and education. The Jewish philosopher Philo referred to the synagogue as houses of instruction where the philosophy of the fathers and all manner of virtues were taught. But but Jesus he, he knew this culture, and he honored this cultural religious establishment as he goes to the local synagogues at the opening of his ministry. In fact, Luke tells us that this had been Jesus' custom all of his life to participate in the synagogue, as was his custom, Luke says. Now, secondly note, when he's there, he reads from the Scriptures. We're told that Jesus rose and he read from the scriptures, and that was a part of the practice in the synagogues. Now, unlike Christian churches today where the pastor is primarily responsible for leading and teaching the people, in the synagogues, although there might have been a rabbi in charge, generally anyone, any man in the congregation or a visiting rabbi or a visiting teacher who considered himself qualified to teach was at liberty to do so. Common Israelite men were also permitted to participate in the public reading of Scripture. And so both as a Jewish man permitted to read like this and with his reputation quickly growing as a great rabbi, which is what's happening amongst the people, Jesus stands up and he begins to read. Look in verse 17. Verse 17 tells us, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, it was the custom in the synagogue for a man to stand while he was reading the scriptures. But then when he was finished reading, he would take his seat and then he would begin to expound on that portion of the scriptures that he's just read. And Jesus is following this customary pattern. Jesus rises, he takes the scriptures, which would have been on scrolls in that day, and, 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 and he opens it up to the book of Isaiah, and he reads specifically from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And then he returns to his seat, and Luke tells us that everyone focuses on him. They're looking at him. It says their eyes are on him. Why? Because they're waiting for him now to give the customary commentary, which he then gives them by simply saying this, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, some more important things to note. If you like take notes, today's a great day to do it. We're moving fast, but there's a lot of points here. <laughs> Number one, note this. Many people Myself included, believed that the passage which Jesus opened to and read was not a passage that Jesus himself decided upon when he stood up there. Jesus, I believe, did not walk up and say, Well, let's see, what scroll shall I read today? No, the scroll was prepositioned for him. It was most likely a prepositioned passage that was determined in advance in the synagogue itself that was ready for him to read that day. So what? Well, I hope your brains are clicking on this one already. If that's true, this tells us that God ordained this very moment and that that he had orchestrated everything so that in this very moment, this would be the passage that Jesus would open and read to the people. Have you ever come to a scripture in your personal reading, maybe your quiet time, your devotions, that was exactly what you needed to hear. Did you ever come maybe to fellowship when we were watching now online or or whether when we gathered, you know, as we did that, did you ever come and, and, and on a particular day when you got there, there was just the right message for you and you'd scratch your head. I know there are people here who've been a part of this fellowship for some time that would say, be nodding their heads right now because I've heard you. You've come to me and say, you had me in mind when you wrote this. And I'm like, no, I had no idea. In fact, I prepared the message a couple of weeks ago for this week. <laughs> I knew that, that the Lord has His timing. I'm just expositing the scriptures. If it met you today, it's because the Lord prepositioned that message for you today. But maybe you've experienced that, a passage that perfectly answered a question, it shed light on a situation that you were confused with or struggling with or just encouraged you. May I encourage you to approach God's Word with an understanding that He works this way